Church, we're in John 16, verses 1 to 5. If you have your Bibles, and I know you have your phones, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, turn there with me. We are going to, we're going to tabernacle. Someone say tabernacle. Tabernacle, and I love using that phrase because tabernacle, literally the Holy Spirit would, would descend and like tent over the children of God. And that's what we're believing to happen today as we talk about the incredible person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are, in my Bible, in verse five, it says the Holy Spirit promised. And so I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. And so we had lots. It was the Holy Ghost when I was a kid. Now it's spirit to be kind to all of you, but it was the Holy Ghost when I was little. And I love, I love, I love talking about the Holy Spirit because I think there's lots of sort of mysticism or confusion. And, and the Spirit of God did not come to confuse. God is not in chaos. He's not in confusion. He's not in fear. God is a clear, still, small voice. Amen. And he came to be known. And so I'm excited to get to talk with you all and to receive from the Lord more knowledge, more clarity about the Holy Spirit. But sometimes I think we can think, is his job to convict us? Is his job to tell us when we failed? So as we discover this, we're, we're going to keep a theme in the front of our heads, and it's inheritance. Someone say that with me. Inheritance. We got to do this together, church. Come on. Someone say it with me. Inheritance. Inheritance. We have an inheritance as believers, and it includes the promise of the Holy Spirit. But before we get too far, let's pray. Can you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we need you. We are so excited to lift up the name of Jesus. We know that where your name is, sickness, disease, fear, flee, Lord. And so thank you that in this, in this time that we have together, in this time that we're communing with you as a body, Lord, thank you that even now you are quickening us. You are causing us to see things in our in your word, Lord, that we haven't seen before, that you are imparting your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And, and Father, thank you for yet another opportunity to know you more and to serve you better. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So like I said, we're in John 16 and the, the chapter opens like this. These things I have spoken to you that you might be kept from stumbling. Who in this, in this room would like to be kept from stumbling? Is it just me? Yes, yes, yes. Kept from stumbling. These things I've spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. But what exactly will keep us from stumbling? So this is, this is important. I need you to flip the page back. We're going to be in the very, very last part of chapter 15. We know that the chapter divisions happened later, right? Jesus did not put in chapter 15, chapter 16 when he was talking. He just was communing with his disciples. And so we're going back a page to chapter 15. At the very end, we're going to verse 26, chapter 15 in John verse 26. When the helper comes, someone say helper. Helper. 
when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. Turn the page, John 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. This word in the Greek, stumbling, that word is scandalizo, and you might hear the English word scandalized in that Greek word. It literally means a stumbling block, um, something that causes someone to sin or entices someone to sin, something that causes um, a trip and fall in the way, if you will. And so church, we're seeing in verse 15, excuse me, we're seeing in chapter 15 at the end of the chapter into chapter 16 at the very beginning that what keeps us from stumbling is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go into this chapter, we need to think about what's happening, right? What are the other things that are going on? We know that in mere hours, Jesus is about to be betrayed, tried, crucified, and rise again. But, but these are his last words to his beloved, beloved disciples. These are, these are his warnings to the disciples of what is going to come. So John 16, verse 2 to 4 says, they will make you outcasts in the synagogue. But an hour is coming that everyone who kills you thinks that they're offering a service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Now let's, again, we're thinking about this in the context of his last hours before before he goes to the cross. And, and we know, right, that everything he talks about in those verses will take place. Didn't the apostle Paul himself, right, think he was doing God a service, thinking he was zealous for the things of God when he persecuted Christians and got permission from religious leaders to put them in prison and to death, hunt them down. And so this is not sort of the, the uh, uh, in the theoretical, what could happen. This is very much what will happen to the believers that Jesus is speaking to and the others that are to come. These are very real things. And so what is going to keep them faithful in the face of trial and circumstance? And I would argue it's the same for us. What is going to keep us faithful when things get hard, when things become challenging, when we're not sure sort of where to go or what to do? What keeps us in the righteous path, what keeps us in the way, it is the promise of the Holy Spirit. It is knowing that the Holy Spirit is our true and faithful guide, our true and faithful friend. And so again, fast forward a couple of hours, literally in real time, Jesus is being arrested willingly, accused falsely, tried illegally, sentenced innocently, and goes to the cross for our sin and our shame. And where are the disciples? Gone. Exactly. <laughs> where are the disciples? 
They're not, with the exception of one, correct? And the women, praise God, with the exception of one and the women, disciples are nowhere to be seen. Come on now. Now, so talk about stumbling. And it's so interesting. Romans 9.33, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 9.33, Paul actually references the Old Testament and calls Jesus a stumbling block, a rock of offense, and so you literally have it in the text that, that the disciples, be without the promise of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit living inside them, it becomes very easy. Even in the presence, think about this, even in the presence of the physical God, physical Jesus, to stumble. So the promise of the Holy Spirit must be something unique and special and incredible that it can keep us from stumbling when the disciples themselves in the presence of Jesus themselves stumble. Does this make sense? Amen? Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So we know the disciples were nowhere to be seen, right? At the cross. But fast forward 40 days on the day of Pentecost, when the promise of the Holy Spirit fell, where were they? They were boldly proclaiming the wonderful works of God. They had boldness. They were fearful of no one and nothing. They were proclaiming with power and authority about a righteous God named Jesus who came to save, deliver, and heal. And so I want you to see this, that the Holy Spirit is imparting boldness and keeping us from stumbling. Amen? Boldness that we didn't have before. Now, we're going to go back to John 16. We ended in verse 4 just now, so we're picking up in verse 5. So this is John 16, verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where you are going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the Bible says that God cannot lie. And I want you to hear that. God cannot lie. Not that he could lie, but he chooses not to lie. The Bible says that God cannot lie. And so if we're believers, that means we believe God's word. We believe that God's word is true, which means we believe it when Jesus says, in essence, you are better off if I leave, because if I go, the helper will be sent to you. Now, that means that we as believers today, without the person of Jesus, physically, we are better off then the disciples who walked with him on the shores of Galilee watched him heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And if you're anything like me, that boggles the mind. I feel like all my problems would be solved if I had the physical Jesus. If I had Jesus, I had very like, did you hear like an old Southern Pente Pentecostal pastor just now? I heard, did somebody hear that? I feel like I heard that. Um, again, you, got, you just have to, whatever the Lord does, the Lord does. Um, uh, I feel like all my problems would be solved if I had the physical Jesus coming to me with at work. I have a coworker that's bothering me. He just, you know, blindness to that one. Just <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Like all my problems would be solved. But 
The Bible is saying that we are better off without, not without, but we are better in absence of the physical Jesus. We are better off with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see how that could be possible. When Jesus walked on earth, he was confined to one place at one time. With the Holy Spirit, it's unlimited. Amen? Amen? When Jesus walked on earth, he walked on earth, he walked with his disciples. The Holy Spirit dwells inside us. This is something that the Old Testament prophets, priests, kings could only dream of. The idea that God himself would dwell inside his people and guide them every single day, morning, noon, and night. This, is, this, this cannot be fathomed outside of scripture. And I think sometimes there are other faith systems and even within our own that want to push God sort of he's so he's so out there he can't be known he's so vast when God himself died rose again and sent the helper to be known to dwell inside of us. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is imparting boldness and keeping us from stumbling, but he also is doing something else. We have a slide that I'd love for you all to look at for just a moment. And now we're back in John 16. We're now in verses 8 through 11. And I want you all to see this. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Someone say the world. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you see, you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, I, I told you, I've been a Christian a long time. This is why this old Southern Pentecostal pastor comes out sometimes, right? That I've been a Christian a long time, and I will be very honest with you. When I thought about what the Holy Spirit does, what is the function, purpose of the Holy Spirit, I thought nine times out of ten, he's there to convict the believer of sin. He's there to tell you, oh, you failed. Oh, you didn't do that right. Oh, you messed up. Oh, you made a mistake. I thought that was the role of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so something I want you to see, and let's, let's throw that slide back up there, is that according to John 16, verses 8 through 11, that is not what the Holy Spirit is here to do. There are three actors in this verse, and I want you to say them with me. The world, the world, they, unbelievers, they, and then you, you, believers, say it with me, you, ruler of the world, world. They, you, ruler of this world. All right, so let's, let's leave that slide up there and we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk, th we're gonna talk this out together. We're gonna reason together, okay? So when we see verses like this, the first thing that kind of comes into our mind is sort of like, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit is coming to convict about all, and then all of this stuff, right? But it says that when it comes to the world, the Holy Spirit's function, I will convict the world regarding sin. And I want you to see that sin, not sins. I will convict the world of sin, singular, one sin. What sin is that sin? We see it in the verse, they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of one sin, and it is unbelief in Jesus. Let's keep going. 
When it comes to the you, who, who's a you in this room? Who's a believer, right? Who is someone who has been bought with a price whose life is not their own, who has received the free gift of salvation? So it says, and regarding righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you no longer see me. Right? I am going to the Father and you are no longer going to see me. And so the job of the Holy Spirit for you, believer, child of God, is the conviction that you are righteous. The conviction, oof, the conviction that regardless of what you did yesterday, what you did 10 years ago, what you will do in the future, you are righteous. You are, yeah, come on, no, for Jesus though. Throw it up for Jesus, though. How can that be possible, Victoria? Because it's not based on you. It's a righteousness that was purchased at the cross of Jesus Christ and is dependent on the finished work of Jesus. That is how that's possible. It is not a righteousness that waxes and wanes depending on your opinions of God or your behavior or what you do or have not done. It is a righteousness that is fixed on the cross, on the sacrifice of Jesus. If that doesn't get you excited, I have nothing for you. I have nothing for you if that doesn't get you excited. And I want you just, I have to, again, we're, tabernacle, we're tabernacling, so forgive me. Again, when you fail, especially when you fail, I want you to see this, especially when you fail, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict you that you are still righteous in Christ, that you still are bought with a price, that you still are loved and you're being perfected, you're being sanctified. That process is happening, but that doesn't change who you are, who you are is righteous in Christ. Amen. I get to me excited. I'll just, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I've done my job. So, so church, I want you to know that that, that itself is enough. That to me is enough. Can we throw that slide up one more time? One more time. That to me is enough, but it gets better. And it says, I am going, what's the, what's the final actor in this verse is the, is the ruler of this world, the enemy, Satan. And what does it say the Holy Spirit does when it comes to judgment? Judge the world? No. Judge sinners? No. Judge the ruler of this world has been judged. The devil has been defeated. I think sometimes we get very, and, and again, this is sort of the Pentecostal, recovering Pentecostal in me, right? That we like to make a big deal of the devil and we're spiritual warfare. And there's all these things. And there is an enemy and there is a battle, but the war has been won, church. It says that the ruler of this world has been judged. So that we are no longer fighting a battle where we don't know the outcome. We know the outcome, church. And so that doesn't negate that the battle is still happening, but we see the victory of Christ is our victory. And that's how we get victory. We're not trying to attain a victory that we don't have. We're seeing Christ's victory and seeing ourselves. That's my victory. The victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross is my victory. Amen. Amen. And so reminder, what did I say we're going to talk about at the very beginning? In Ten points. Ten points. Now, again, I want us to think back to the context of John 16, that Jesus is hours away from going to the cross. And when we talk about inheritance, right, that often means there's a death, correct? 
how do you inherit, right? There often means somebody has passed on and that's how you're receiving. You're, you're being bequeathed something, right? That you are, as an heir, someone catch that, as an heir, you are being willed something, bequeathed something, that these are assets that you are receiving as a beneficiary, amen? Amen. So as a beneficiary, as an heir, what have we received through the death of Jesus Christ? Too much to talk about in the next I'm already over. Give me another five minutes. I probably we're going to land the plane. Um, but there, there's something that I have, you guys have to see. John 16, 12 to 15. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the father have are mine. Say that back with me. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, if you were listening, you heard me say the word disclose three times in those three verses. Disclose in the text is literally announce, like make a report. And and something that, again, continues to, to be extraordinarily exciting exciting when we think about the work of the Holy Spirit is that his job is to announce and guide you into all truth, to reveal the things that are to come and to glorify Jesus in revealing the things that you have from the Father. If we, if you were to turn to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12, you would hear the Apostle Paul under the same anointing of that same Holy Spirit say that all, just as it is written, things that the eye has not seen or ear has heard and things that have not entered into the heart of man that God has prepared for those who love him. If we drop down, it says, for who among man knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of God? But or the spirit of man and who knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God for who we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things freely given to us by God church that means everything that's on God's mind for you to have the spirit is disclosing to you. I believe even right now, God is disclosing to us the things that he has for us to receive as free gifts, not gifts earned by the currency of our good behavior or good works, but gifts freely given to him, freely given to us by the Father. And it also says that we have the spirit of God that we may know, not guess, but know the things that have been freely given, salvation in every area, righteousness or right standing before God, sonship, every blessing is being disclosed to us. And I, I want you to know that even as we close, that knowing that the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of righteousness in Christ and disclose, uh, disclose to us all things that have been freely given to us by our Abba Father, can we spend some time this week listening to his voice today? Can we spend some time hearing what he's disclosing? His word says that he is going to disclose all the things, everything, not some things, all things that have been freely given to us by God. The natural and the supernatural, all things. And so can we spend a few minutes throughout this week hearing his voice, hearing his voice of approval, hearing his voice of love, of encouragement? Because it's that love and encouragement that's going to cause us to overcome sin. It'll cause us to overcome. 
It'll cause us to see ourselves as Christ sees us and in that righteous identity. We're not gonna wanna sin. We're not gonna wanna do things that are beneath us because when our identity is Christ, we know the things that have been freely given to us that changes how we live. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.